Hello and welcome to one of the most popular shows we do here on the In The Money Media Network. I'm particularly tickled because it's nearly my last assignment in this busy Derby week. I say that, but there's still a bunch of other stuff we got to do. But I couldn't be more excited to welcome back to the program for this Pro Players Roundtable. First, we'll begin with the man who's a stalwart of these shows. I don't think he's missed one uh, helping us out when it comes to all things Breeders' Cup and uh, Triple Crown, especially Kentucky Derby. From Lexington, Kentucky, he is Sean Borman. Sean, how are things? Doing good, Pete. How are you? Life is good. I, I like your city. We have a lot of fun here hanging out. I mean, anywhere that's this centric on whiskey and horses is A-OK with me. And we're also welcoming back to the show a man who I don't think it's any hyperbole to say has one of the most respected opinions when it comes to anything that's going to happen on a racetrack in America or around the world. He's a figure maker. He's a breeder. He's an owner. He's a handicapping champion. He's a professional horse player. He's Paul Matisse. Paul, what's up, buddy? Hey, Pistol, you're in you're in Lexington. You're standing there. You're standing in Lexington, He's, driving over. You know, you know, D- Double D is laughing when you call me Pistol, so he'll be he'll be he'll be very very happy with that. Yeah, I look. I have nothing against Louisville. I'm not an anti Louisville guy at all. But you know, all our friends are here, and. I had an opportunity last night. You know, we did our final answer show live from Malone's Prime. Today, I was out at Mill Ridge. I mean, guys, I got to tell you, sitting there, we just did a little program, Price Bell and I, talking to like a tourist group that came in. And you're sitting there and you're talking about the Kentucky Derby and you're looking out at a field where multiple Kentucky Derby winners have been, you know, raised as their nursery. And you're sitting with a guy and his dad, Heedley Bell, who's picked out the matings of two Kentucky Derby winners. I mean, you just, you feel like you're worth something for a second. You know what I mean, Paul? I wasn't being critical. Uh, Lexington is a beautiful city. I love going there. So I was just, I was just, I just uh, curious. That's a, that's what your your strategy was. Yeah, it's you know between those two things, and then we've got our black type thoroughbreds crew. We'll be taking the bus over there tomorrow for the Oaks. Sean, are you coming with us, or, or was today is, is Thurby? Are you like a real hipster local now, where you only go for Thurby and you skip Oaks and Derby? No, I'm I'm coming, man. Are you kidding? Get to see one of our good friends win the Oaks? Shit. <laughs> Paul, help me out on the math here, okay? So there are, what, about 10,000 Phillies born every year? Does that sound about right to you in America? It's, nowadays, right? That's, that's what that, that sounds like the number nowadays, right? So 14 of the, yeah, the 10,000 Phillies make the Oaks every year. You're a small operation. You've got about 10 horses total. It's probably lower than that. What are the odds, just approximately, of having a starter in the Oaks two years in a row? Am I just like pulling it out of the hat, no actual math background? I said it was longer than a million to one. What What do you think the real math is on that? I, I don't think it's that long. Because, uh, you know, it's a little misleading because it's a, there's 10,000 of them that are born, but, you know, half of them probably can't, you know, are, are have like no chance of making it. You gotcha. Know, no genetic, like just based on their genes, you mean? Yeah. You know, just, yeah. And even though they've been bred for, you know, they're bred to run in, you know, state bred races at Finger Lakes or Arizona or, right. you know, or No, New that's Mexico. a great point. I wasn't thinking about that. 
you know, so, so it's a little bit, when anytime they throw those numbers at you, they exaggerate it because they take all the photos and it's probably not as, but it's still a, quite an accomplishment. Yeah. Now we're very proud of our friends. It was nice hanging with the black type thoroughbreds team tonight and hidden connection. Certainly. I mean, Sean seems uh, from his little comment there, a pretty enthusiastic. I think she's an interesting long shot. So sometimes on this show, we've gone through the whole Oaks and the whole Derby card. I think especially with the weird weather in the area, my preference is going to be to start talking about the Oaks and then we'll pivot and talk about the Derby. But I did want to ask you guys both how big of a deal it is for you. How does it change your preparations when you have weather like the weather that we're seeing rolling into the area potentially tonight and into tomorrow? How does the weather change the way you look at this Kentucky Oaks card? Sean, we'll start with you. Well, you know, it's, it's going to, it's going to mean something for, for me. It'll mean more in the turf racing um, than dirt, but even, even in turf racing nowadays, I, I've really gotten away from trying to analyze surface stuff and conditions. And, you know, I just find it suits me better to just, to just play figures and bet, try to find the fastest horses at the best prices and bet them. Um, especially on days like Kentucky Oaks Day and Kentucky Derby Day, when you're dealing with really good horses, you know I think good horses can run on just about anything. Um, so I'm I'm almost just going to not even pay any attention to it. Sometimes you oh, get burned. No. A lot of times you don't. So I, I hear you. I hear you. And I mean, you know, on the dirt for me, I, I'm so biased towards wanting to bet speed horses, the kind of horses who typically benefit on and off track because they're the ones who get to stay clean. I mean, obviously there's extreme examples, but no, I'm very sympathetic to that point of view. Paul, how about you? How much does it change what you're looking at when it's going to be a presumptive off track? Well, the one thing on the dirt is that just, I'm, you know, pretty much looking for it anyway, but the, the off tracks usually will, will tend to create more of a bias. You know, you're not, the idea is you're handicapping the best horse, you know, and, and trying to analyze it from there. You know, I always just take it to another level, you know, where sometimes if you've got an even tracker and you, you just stick with what you're, what you, who you think are the best horses, you know, I think it's just another thing on top of it, how the track's playing or, you know, how's the, what track is, is going to, uh, how it's going to affect. On the turf, the one thing that I did learn by, by playing Hong Kong all these, those years ago. And I, I don't know if what Sean's playing in Hong Kong a lot, but I came up with the idea of just lumping the firm and non-firm. Don't get too complicated that this one likes a little give, you know, that this one likes too much give. I just, I break it off into the firm, non-firm, you know, and then when tomorrow it seems like we're going to be, you know, looking for the horses that within the, uh, in firm races when it's soft. I noticed in the past few years, we've had the rainy um, Derby and Oaks days. Am I correct, Sean, in saying that the rail can get a little dead on the turf? And, and that's, you know, to Paul's point about, you know, you got to be obviously you're always paying attention to how the track is playing. But when it does rain, 
um, that dead turf rail. That, that's something to take a look at. Do you, do you, I know these days, Sean, you look less at bias than you did in the past, but is, is that something you might be on the lookout for tomorrow and Saturday? Yeah. Yeah. I'm always still looking for it, but I try to, uh, you know, I used to, used to just really base plays on, on bias and, and perceived biases and stuff. And now I just try to use it as like a supplementary sort of handicapping factor. Um, you know, I just, I, I try to create like a little pyramid in my mind of, you know, what's most important, what's next and how to sort of layer the, the factors of handicapping. And it's, you know, bias is much farther down that, that ladder now than it used to be, but it, that's certainly something you need to be aware of. If you see, you know, two turf races and, and two favorites get stuck down on the, on the rail and just spin their wheels that, you know, horses that typically would finish, but don't finish, then that, that could tell you something certainly. And, and maybe you want to, you know, I'm, I don't, I don't recommend just not betting anymore. If you, if you, if you have a horse that, that may be against a bias, but maybe just bet slightly less on, on a horse you like under those circumstances. Paul, you mentioned being in tune to the bias from your years of experience playing Churchill Downs. What sort of bias do you expect on a wet day? Are, are you thinking that's going to be inside and speed, or are you thinking that's going to be outside and closers, or some combination of the two? Or is there really no way of knowing before you get to see it with your own eyes? We may have lost Paul here. Let's see if we can get him back. Let's see if we can get him back real quick. I'm not even going to edit. I'm not even going to edit. We're going to leave this live if we can get him back. <laughs> I can always edit if I have to. Hello. We lost you there for a second, Paul, but we got you back now. I was just asking you, you had mentioned about the bias potential on a wet day at Churchill. What assumptions do you have going in? I mean, are you thinking a wet track at Churchill on a day like tomorrow is going to be inside and speed? Or are you thinking it's going to be outside and closers? Or do you have no way of knowing until you have a look? No, no way of knowing until I, until it gets going. Did 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 I get cut off before I talked about the turf? No, you you well, uh, you you mentioned the 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 idea of horses trying to be a little bit more binary and not coming up with so many grades like horses that will deal with cut and horses that will not deal with cut. If you, I'm not sure if you dealt with much more if you'd gone into more depth than that or not. It, I mean, just the main thing that I that I. Um... That, that I wanted to point out is just that I look at non-firm and firm as almost like they're two two different surfaces almost. Yeah. You know, I will I'll I'll make sure that the uh, that the races I look at I'll look at the non-firm form and look at the other turf races almost as if it's a different surface. You know. No, you did get to say that, and I think that's an interesting point and, and something that yeah. certainly could come into play. Now. Let's talk about the Kentucky Oaks itself for a minute, because I know, and Sean, we're going to throw this one right back in your court, because you've told me you have a strong opinion that you think the crowd is going to make a mistake in terms of how the Oaks gets bet. What do you mean by that? What do you, what do you think the crowd's going to do that's different than what uh, they should be doing? Well, I think, you know, I think given the, the pace scenario of the race, um, I think they're going to make the favorites sort of too heavy of favorites. And some long shots they're they're going to disregard completely that have a much higher chance of winning than their odds are going to reflect. So I don't necessarily think that they're going to have the wrong favorite, but I think the spread between some of these horses is going to be way too big um, based on the abilities that of, of, of the horses and, and the pace of this race. 
I'll push you to go a little bit more into depth. Who do you think they're going to make the favorite? What price should she be? And what price will she be? Uh, you know, I think, I think it's pretty clear they're going to make Nest the favorite. Um, I imagine her to be five to two-ish. And, and Kathleen O or Echo Zulu probably seven to two, four to one-ish. One, you know, uh, what should they be? Maybe, maybe I think Ness should be four or five to one, um, and and some of those other, you know, I, even a horse like like Ugiri, you know, she's going to be a huge price. But I've got her, you know, rated basically within a length and a half of of Nest and with a tactical edge. You know, same with Hidden Connection. I think she's going to be grossly under bet. Um, Very interesting. So, so you know the 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 thing about this race is when I sort of look at the pace figures that that these horses are going to run early and then middle and then late, you know the the deep closers that they're going to make favorites, not really deep closers, but the you know Nest would you know she's a mid pack finisher and, and Echo Zulu is probably a, a little bit deeper deeper finisher. Kathleen, no, Kathleen, no, Kathleen, no, yeah, sorry. Um, you know they don't run particularly any faster late than some of these speed horses and they're both coming out of pace scenarios in their prep races where they got slow paces but they were the type of slow paces that that benefited horses with their you know running style and their late pace abilities because they were the only quickeners in there so they got to conserve energy and quicken against a bunch of bad speed horses that can't quicken um so, you know, I think they look a little better on paper than they actually are. And I think they're particularly with Nest. I think she could be sort of closer to a faster pace than she's than she's used to. And, you know, she she doesn't finish like, you know, I've heard a lot of people say she she reminds them of Malathot. And she's nothing like Malathot. Malathot. You were a huge Malathot fan, right? I mean, I think I'm remembering. Yeah, Malathot, you know, Malathot was faster overall and and faster late, much faster late than that than Nest is. Um, Nest reminds me sort of a lot of Bellafina in the sense that she, you know, looks like a finisher and has decent figures, but doesn't, you know, on my stuff at least, she doesn't finish like a Grade One Oaks winning filly, and she's going to have to beat some horses that. You know, she she's probably better than Yugiri, but if she's five lengths behind her turning from home, I'm not totally convinced she can run her down. Same with Hidden Connection and, and Echo Zulu. Um, so I just think, you know, I, I just think there's betting opportunities in this race that that will be presented to us because they're going to make some of these longer price horses just way too long. No, they don't have to win. They might, you know, they might not win. They might, they may run terrible, but it's a good betting opportunity in my opinion. I'll bring you back in to talk about more specifics on how you want to bet the race in a minute. But I do want to hear from Paul just with his general thought on the Oaks. When Do, do you agree uh, with, with, with Sean that this race isn't as simple necessarily, Paul, as the top four runners and everybody else? Well, I didn't agree with him. I'm listening, but I, I didn't have that uh, that thought. In, in this race, but one problem that I have, I think in both 
these days. And just for everybody listening, going off of figures alone, and actually general handicapping, some of the stuff that you could count on in the past, has been very difficult in these prep races. And a lot of these Oaks races ran on the same days as the as the Colts. And I want to tell you, every figure that I've, people that I've talked to or, or seen, they've made up the variance on all these days. <laughs> they are not straight figures. And that's why it's hard for me to have, like, these strong opinions without anything happening. So the, the thing I'm looking forward to mostly in the Oaks is to, to hopefully bring a line to the Derby. See how some of these horses run off the, some of these races. Interesting. Because, I mean, days like, you know, I know some people that like Nostalgic, but Nostalgic ran, you know, like 20 points slower than the Wood on the same day. But I don't believe that in that difference. You know, I don't think that they were that bad. So I wouldn't tell somebody not to play anybody out of the Gazelle or anything like that. But my instincts are telling me that that race wasn't any good. You know what I mean? It's a, uh, it, it's very, it's very difficult. And I'm really curious to see how a horse like desert dawn performs because the Santa Anita Derby day was a day that was really hard to, to, to predict. In fact, the races after the Oaks and the Derby were extremely slow. And if, I think everybody's been cautious with their figures on the, with, um, the, especially the Santa Anita Derby. And I think we'll have a good line of, you know, wh- how good the Santa Anita Derby was on how Desert Dawn, Dawn performed. Oh, I mean, you know, what, so. a, what a, that's a next level type point that I, I'm fascinated by. Sean, as a figure maker yourself, are you nodding in agreement when Paul's talking about that? Or, or are you seeing those days as a little bit more straightforward figure wise? Uh, no, I was, I was actually literally nodding in agreement. Um, the, the figures just in general are extremely difficult right now. Um, because of timing issues and Lasix and all, you know, it's just all kind of shit. Um, I completely agree with everything Paul said, but you know, as a gambler and as a figure maker, I've, I've got to, at some point I've just got to trust my work. And so, yeah, Sean's you know, made his I, opinion without a doubt. I, you know, you gotta, you gotta go with yeah. what you think, you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, I completely agree with what he was saying about trying to use these races as, as a line on what's going to happen on Saturday. Cause I've been thinking that same thing, you know, there's, there's four or five horses running prior to the Derby on, on both those cards that I'm keeping a very close eye on to, to tell me if, you know, for like what, what Paul mentioned with the Wood Memorial, I've got that race is very fast relative to to the rest of that field um and you know i'm certainly going to look at how these gazelle horses perform because i'm not one i don't split variants very often at all most of these prep days i just i'll pick what i think is the best variant and i'll go with it and then i'll figure out the rest once horses start running back because you know paul and i talked you know before before we started recording a little while back there some of these commercial figures are are they are just blatantly making things up um they're just sticking figures out there that they think looks good, apparently. And that's, you know, that's wrong. You can't. They're projecting, right? Yeah, but I mean, even even projecting, you know, should have some basis in, in 
reality, but there's one or two figures that I've seen out there that that it, it, I can only say is just made up. That's all I'll say. It's it, there's no basis in reality and and what some of the For stuff. Sure, kind, you know, it's more like something you would do in Europe. You know, right? Foreign figures. I mean, the exactly. buyers are guilty of that. I'm a big buyer speed figure fan, but the buyers are guilty of of especially on turf. But I mean, I think in this prep season, a little bit on dirt too. They're 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 guilty of being. You know, they're time-based form figures. I mean, there's no – and while we're talking about the Oaks, I mean, for me, Paul, and, and you correct me if I'm wrong, no better example of a time – loosely time-based form figure than the Arkansas Derby, that, that they must have struggled to put that number where they did. I mean, to me, it looks like a slow race. It looks like shitty form, and I want to bet against all those horses. Are they going to kick sand in my face, or, or, or might I be onto something there? Well, that, absolutely. On the on a final time, that race was really slow. It it did have a little bit of a a fast pace in it that that made it a little tricky and maybe led to the could have been one of those early downliners. But um, a lot of the, the numbers I've seen in that race are certainly not based off time. They're they're just completely projecting. And this is, I'm not being critical of anybody because I want to tell you these have been extremely hard. You know. Um, I'm not sure what is right and what's wrong. <laughs> this is as hard as I've, I've ever seen it, you know, particularly with good, good races, you know. It may be time for the rubber to meet the road, guys, in terms of our Oaks discussion. Sean, we're going to throw it back to you. You've mentioned a couple of horses you think are interesting long shots. I'm curious to know if you agree with Paul, who I happen to agree with, the Desert Dawn, you can make a case, is one of the interesting horses in this race. What do you think your approach is going to be to betting on this year's Kentucky Oaks? Uh, that's a good question because I haven't, you know, to be totally honest, I haven't sort of finalized exactly what I'm going to do. But I'm, you know, I'm I'm interested in Hidden Connection. I'm interested in Bugiri, and I'm interested in Desert Dawn as as price horses that that could get the right setup and and hit the board. Um, you know, I might I might do something to where I take all three of those and say two of the three are in the super. Um, I might just decide, you know, I'm going to key just one of those. I probably like Hidden Connection the best of the three. Um, so maybe I'll just key her with with my other contenders. I, I I don't I don't really know honestly, but I just think there's there's the opportunity to to really score in this race if if certain things play out right. So let's talk about Hidden Connection specifically. What is it about her last run? I mean, it was a little bit of a weird trip. Um, it certainly seemed notable to me that she galloped out so strongly, suggesting that you know she had more in the tank that. You know, I don't know because of the ride, because of the circumstances, she she didn't get to show in the race. I agree, she's a very interesting long shot. But what is it that puts you um, so firmly in her direction and seems to make you convinced that she's going to reverse form with Echo Zulu? Well, I think she took a much worse trip, um, and she, I love the way she galloped out. You know, I think the way she ran and the way she galloped out, third off a layoff after showing a lot of promise as a two-year-old, you know, I think she could really, she could move forward again. And I've got that race, you know, my figures are, are faster in, in that race than, than most of, most of the other ones I've seen. So that, 
this just gives me a little bit of an edge right there. I mean, I've got her basically as fast as Nest. Um, so, you know, I think she's she's a filly that that could jump forward again. I don't see a ton of improvement in in Echo Zulu left. I don't see, you know, I, I think Kathleen O and Nest could both improve, but I also think they both got very good setups last time. So I'm not, you know, not super enthused about them at short prices. So it's just, you know, it it's mainly, I think she's going to be a way bigger price than, than she deserves to be given the trip I expect from her and, and given her abilities. Paul, how about you in terms of the Oaks? Do you, you know, it doesn't have to be a selection, but what what are you leaning well, towards? Well, the main thing that I thought in this race, and everybody's a genius nowadays, but I, <laughs> I was against Echo Zulu completely, and I thought that you could spread around playing against her and and have some value and use a bunch of horses maybe in the in the horizontals and 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 you're doing the right thing. But she comes up as a four to one morning line who's undefeated in the two year old Philly champion. Something, you know, that's the world we live in nowadays. Right. You also got, I bought into the S. Houston, Kentucky thing. I don't know exactly the, the, the reason why, but I'm I'm throwing him out till he beats me. Let me pause there. Paul, listening. let me, let me pause there. 80. Let me pause there just in case people don't know that Asmussen, I guess, is like over 72 in his last starters in Kentucky. That's the stat you're referring to, right? Yes, that's exactly. And, uh, you know, I think that's going to be a big factor in this weekend. He's got a lot of favorites and a lot of horses that figure. And and if it makes a lot of these races easier if you're just throwing them out. And until I see something different, I, I'm going to stick with that uh, that mentality. I don't like Echo Zulu anyway. I mean, one thing that John the Clocker, uh, John Nichols brought up to me is that he thinks Echo Zulu is going to like it wet. So that that's another reason maybe the that confused me a little bit even more in this thing. But I, I even even with all that said, I'm still I was still a bit against her. The problem I have is if she's really going to be four or five to one, then you have to zero in more than, than what than what I had planned to do. And from there, I don't really know where I would zero in. Desert Dawn at twenty to one, I like. You know, Nest at five to two. I'm a little different than Sean. Um, Again, I told you these figures are where you're going to see big discrepancies in people. I don't have those two races close. I have, I have Nest way fast, but uh, I'm not saying I'm right. <laughs> I'm just saying that that was my opinion on it. I don't like five to two. You know, I mean, I didn't really expect it to be her to be the five to two morning line. Well, that's aggressive. Uh, and I mean, and there's a lot of very weird. I, I mean, I said I wasn't going to say this because I feel so bad beating up a morning line maker. Paul, I don't think I've seen a worse morning line like ever than this year's Kentucky Derby. And the, the, the Oaks doesn't offend me to that degree, but it's not, I don't think it's reliable at all. I think there's a world in which Echo Zulu is the favorite. Well, that's what I expected. I mean, at least morning line, I, I would have expected that she would be a favorite. And I, no worse than being a co-favorite, you know, uh, yeah. along the lines. But I, evidently, it's not going to be the case. I, uh, the way I've heard of people talk, I, I, I just, I'm not sure that's going to be that. You've even seen it in the board a little bit. The Eskies and horses are, are starting to be bet dead. So it'll be interesting by the time we get there if he's had any success or not. But Secret Oath is another horse that a lot of people do like. But I, I do want to note that her worst race in her life, without a doubt, is the 
a sloppy track at Churchill. So uh, I, I, I don't like that. No, I get it. that we're going to be on a sloppy track. I get it. I get it. Do you understand the hidden connection in enthusiasm that Sean and I have? <laughs> I, I, I'm not with you on that one, <laughs> but I, I respect your guys' opinion. I'm going to give it another look, but I, I didn't, uh, I wasn't there. That was, a, I do mention that uh, my brother Duke has always been a big fan of Kathleen. O. Um, he's been on that bandwagon. He's been, pushing that since the first day she ran and he hasn't been wrong yet. And yet everybody seems to be dismissing her off of some maybe so-so workouts. Uh, I heard she looked a lot better when she was out there today for whatever that's worth. Right. I just was going to, he, I know he has a strong opinion that uh, he's, he's thought she's a high quality Philly Ray from day one. So I'm just throwing that out there. All right. We we did that's, confusing Oaks to me. It is. I mean, we did a, we did a lot more time on it than I was planning, but I think it's a fascinating race, and I don't regret it for a second. But I don't want to keep you guys here all night. Let's pivot to Derby Day, boys. And it's not like we're going to have to run through this, you know, race by race. We'll we'll do the thing that I always like to do and just throw it wide open to both of you about what where you think the best opportunity is on the day. Is there a race, Sean, in particular, you're particularly excited about betting on Derby Day? Oh, believe it or not, Pete, I hate Jackie's Warrior. Well, you, you, that's not really a big surprise. And yeah, I'm going to tell you as I do that this is not relative to um, the Asmussen hoodoo. Um, you, you've never been a big Jackie's Warrior fan, and, and – and, uh, I, I wouldn't say it, it would be we I'd be disappointed. I mean, I like Jackie's warrior. I think he's 50% to win the race, but I would be disappointed in you if you got on the bandwagon now, but what, what is your knock reiterate for the uninitiated your knock on Jackie's warrior and tell us how you're going to play that race. He's just a phony. He's a, he's a complete phony. He finishes like a tin claimer at river downs most of the time. And you know, when he, when he gets put under pressure he folds that's basically it i you know you betting horses like that at short prices is just death i'll never do it i'm going to try to beat him out of everything he's you know if, if he wants to win at even money that's fine he can go ahead where, where are you going to land eat. race 10 the churchill downs you know you got aloha west in there prevalence a bit bit of an interesting runner is is it one of them or, or somebody else that catches your eye I thought the two most likely to to hit the board were reinvestment risk and prevalence, um, but I also think Cezanne is a, has a has a big chance to to win. You know, really, it's whoever decides. You know, either prevalence or Cezanne probably needs to go after Jackie's Warrior. Whoever doesn't do that has the best chance to win the race, in my opinion. Um, and I, I think it's hard to figure out exactly who's going to do that dirty work, but you know, maybe they both do. I don't know. They both should because he's, you know, he'll stop on the turn if, if they do, but it's one of those two. And I think reinvestment risk is good enough to just, he's good enough to just sort of sit behind the pace and and out finish a lot of these other ones as well. So I I was going to double key five and six and then, and then maybe come back and even triple key five, six and eight. Very interesting. Paul, how do you see it? I mean, for me, um, it was just a question of the pace scenario. I just, I don't know that uh, either Gaffleone 
on uh, prevalence or Pratt on Cezanne. I, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna sit off, and I, I think they're gonna let Jackie's Warrior do his thing. And you know, I take Sean's point. It's, it's not exactly a horse that uh, burns it up late, but he's shown that when they let him alone on the front end, he can do okay. And and, and I was kind of thinking that might be what happens here. Where where are you with Jackie's Warrior in the Churchill Downs? Well, I'm, I'm you know like I said before, I'm, I'm against them because the Asmussen factor more so than what some of the other things that uh, Sean mentioned. Um, but I, I wasn't impressed with his race at Oakland. I didn't think he ran all that good. Um, he was on Lasix. I expected maybe more of a breakout performance from him turning four. And I and I thought he, uh, I don't think he showed it. If anything, I think he might have even moved backwards. I don't think he moved forward. So with the way Asmussen's going and everything, I, I'm definitely against him. The only thing I will say for anybody who does like him, he didn't run great in the slop at Oakland in his first start last year. But even so, at a short price, I think you got to bet against them. The, the wild card to me is just, I know there's a lot of this going on. This By this time, we should know. But some of this Baffert off training stuff, I just don't know how to react to it. I don't know exactly how it's going to play out. But based on form and the way this race figures to set up, I really like Cezanne in this race. I think uh, I finally figured him out. And I think he's going to get a perfect situation. I think he likes to be on the outside. I think he loafs a little when he hits the front. So the race that he won in Santa Anita, I was a little bit uh, unimpressed with him. But I think it was more more so that, that he was loafing. I thought he ran really, really well going two turns in the Oakland Mile. And I think he's better. I just think he's better one turn anyway. Even though, So I love the cutback. And I love this, where he's going to be. He should get ahead of mind control. So prevalence in his last race ran some, I mean, he's really sharp and it wouldn't surprise me if he beat me. He ran some real fast interior uh, figures going seven furlongs last time at Keeneland. Ones that would rival Jackie's warriors best, on, you know, for me. So I, I think he's going to drag up and just force himself to, uh, to press um, Jackie's warrior. And I think the race may come down to Suzanne running down prevalence. You know, I don't know what to do with the lower West off the long layoff. I don't even know what odds he's going to be, but he certainly could win. Uh, you know, so I think I got to use him, you know, as, as, as probably my third, third choice, but, and I'll throw out a long shot that I probably will use who improved tremendously in his last race and he was he used to be a, a pretty good horse but i would throw long range toddy in as a bomb thought he ran really well on the track that was uh kinder to closers and horses off the rail and uh i wish paco was still riding but i guess louis size and paco were probably uh one and one a in riding style so it probably is a uh it's probably a good sign that louis size is riding so but he, he, he might be a bomb that gets in it too very interesting. Sean, are you with, you didn't mention Aloha West, but I mean, would, would you, in your keys, is that a horse you'd like cycle in with the key horses or are you against him too? No, no, I'm, I'm absolutely going to use him. He can, I, I'm sort of with Paul. I don't know exactly what to do with him, but he can certainly win the race. Paul, in terms of if I'd thrown that same first question out to you, what area, if there was one race you were particularly excited about betting on the Saturday card, what would it be? I just, you know, it's an exciting race, the handicap. I'm not sure. 
there's a horse in the race that kind of ruins it <laughs> that you know how to go about betting it but um the Pat Day Mile is, is, is actually the I'm calling it the cutback derby. <laughs> There's a bunch of horses that have been waiting for that I think are better running short, shorter than than long in, in one turn instead of two turns. And there's a there's a mess of them. So I just find it interesting, you know, which ones to pick and some real uh some real handicapping going on trying to figure out which 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 of these horses will benefit from cutting back and which ones are coming out of the right races and um, I, I find the, the Pat Day race interesting. Unfortunately, this is where Jack Christopher's coming back. Could be a good thing because I think you just have to, with all the interesting horses in the race, you almost got to almost take a shot against them in this spot, even though this is something that Chad does real well and everything. I just, I find the race very interesting handicapping. Betting because of him makes it a little bit trickier. But I do think it's a possibility where you could, where you could bet a little to win a lot type of thing. So. I was very master of the obvious here, Paul, just off the angle that I've heard you and Duke talk about so many times, the uh, projecting in figure improvement for age. You look at the numbers that Jack Christopher ran last year, and you figure he's been away from the races for 200 days. I just thought his best race is supposed to win this, and given Chad Brown's stats in the category, I was kind of with you in terms of like, whatever intrigue there is about coming up with prices. I, I, I just don't know what's going to matter with Jack Christopher in the race. Am I, am I overrating him a little bit? No, I, I, if, if that's your opinion, I can, I can see it. It's just, I think the race is just so interesting that there's, there's so many horses that are going to run better than their form. And I don't know, just to take a boring, to take that horse at even money or four to five, you know, I guess it's the old school in me. He just never would do it. You know, it's just a horse that was supposed to be on the Derby trail that shows up here. You know, how many, how many times do they blow up? You yeah. know, I mean, it could happen for sure. I mean, we, we've certainly seen that movie before. Chad is good at this and he probably wouldn't run if he didn't think he was going to run at a high, high level. I know? was also thinking but, it could be one of those weird Derby weekend things where he is actually seven to five. Is that a pipe dream? Yeah, he's, he's, he's odds on, you know. I mean, yeah, seven to five. That's that's the that's the most he's going to be. That does make it less appealing, Sean. Let's pull you in for your thoughts on Jack Christopher. Do you is, is this another one you think uh, is pop and stop material? I, I feel like he's actually finished out his races pretty well for a horse with so much speed. Excuse me. Yeah. No, I agree. I think uh, I, no, I would not put him in the same category as Jack. He's warrior at all. He's you know he he's the best horse. Um, but I don't want to bet him at a short price at all. This is a it's a very interesting race. There's there's a lot of horses that that are cutting back that you know coming out of sort of bad pace scenarios last time, going longer, and you should be able to get in here and, and find a, a pretty good bet other than Jack Christopher. Um, I don't know exactly who that's going to be for me yet, but. But I, I, it's a very it's a very interesting handicap in Grace. I'll hold your feet to the fire, Paul, because you did mention this specifically as a race of these different uh, cutback runners who you think are going to run better than the bare form. Which one or two or three do you see yourself building some bets around? Well, the most obvious one I think is Doppelganger. That's probably going to be the lowest odds of the ones that are cutting back. And that's another one that's uh, you know in the Baffert transition. 
but he he got a really weird uh, weird ride and 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 weird running style. He just stopped running in the middle of the race last time. Um, my guess is that he he'll run much better. Um, and his A game that what he's shown is probably probably more obvious. But Papa Cap is a horse that's been begging to be cut back probably since last year. And he was in the uh, the Florida Derby. A lot of people have been critical of the Florida Derby. But the one thing about the Florida Derby was it was fast early. And he was in the pace. And he ran pretty good that day. You know, and I I commented right then that I would that was a horse that I would definitely like in a race like this. And uh and and real top notch middle figures. He cuts back and he gets Pratt. I like that idea. Um in that race. I got some wild ones that I think are okay too. Um Probably the one that I find the most interesting is Kavad for Chris Hartman that's coming off the Arkansas Derby. We talked about how the Arkansas Derby wasn't fast, but uh, it was fast early. Yep. And the rail wasn't good, and he was on it. And he's a horse that I thought was uh, distance compromised um, at least two turns. I haven't liked any of his two-turn races, and I liked his uh, his first sprint when Hartman had him. It was on Lasix, which is a little... <laughs> Throwing in another variable into all our handicapping, but I thought that was a really good race when he, when he, uh, the first time he ran him off the claim. But I've been waiting for him to, to cut back. Probably not against Jack Christopher, but I've been waiting for him to run in a race like this. And he's going to be 30, 40 to 1, probably. So I think he's, he's interesting. Even a horse like Trafalgar, who doesn't really hit you as a horse that, um, would like to be cut back because he hasn't been really in the paces. But that's a horse that I think would. I've been waiting actually for him to cut back for for a while. He's actually got a win at a mile at Churchill. He's another one that's going to be. I don't know he, he's got to be close to 30, 30 to one too. So um, he was actually he made a middle move into that fast paced race that uh, Epicenter lost early on in, in Fairgrounds. I just think it's pretty confident that Elspeth is going to run him in the race too. Must be doing really good. So there's a lot of interesting horses. Well, you guys make some really interesting points. I'm more excited about watching this Pat Day Mile after talking to you than I was before. That's for sure. Obviously, we're going to close it out with a conversation about the Derby. But why don't we um, – maybe I'm going to throw it back to each of you for just another – just one betting idea, a favorite you're opposed to, a race we can lock up, a, a specific long shot we think could be somewhere, really anywhere on the card on Saturday. Sean, I'll throw it back to you for, for – uh, to nominate a race to chat about other than the two we've talked about already on the Saturday. Uh, why are you making it so difficult, PTF? <laughs> I thought that was pretty open-ended. I thought that was pretty close to a softball. I could say, hey, look at one of the grade ones if you want me to narrow it down a little bit more. I, I guess the next I guess the, the next best idea I have, and this is sort of sort of weather dependent, I guess, is you know, our friend, uh, our friends at Little Red Feather have a horse in the American turf that I'm interested in named Balmakov. Yes. Um, now, if it's a really wet turf, I, I don't know how much I want a, a California turf horse, but he's got European form, so I guess he, he might be okay. But I'm, you know, I, I'm sort of interested in, in him as a sort of mid-priced winner. I think he's going to get a very good setup and, and is maybe just better than the rest of these. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I I thought he was one of the three. You know, Side Dog really impressed me at uh, Keeneland. 
I thought he cro- closed very well into those uh, blue fractions, those slow fractions, and now second off the layoff. And he was one of the ones I thought was interesting. Obviously, portfolio company doesn't take a whole lot of imagination to make in this race. But yeah, Balnikov, I think is interesting, but that's curious to me that you, you think he might be that much better than the rest of them. What, what are you seeing that makes you think that, Sean? Is this a, a late pace thing? Uh, well, I mean, sort of. Uh, he, he didn't, he doesn't have like an elite late pace figure, but he, he just ran pretty strongly throughout that race. You know, his, his entire pace line is, is good. And if you, you know, if you sort of, just project that out from a talent standpoint. It's, you know, he, he's got, in my opinion, he's got the ability to throw a really good late pace figure. If, if given a sort of slightly different pace scenario, um, this is a race you know, that historically has absolutely buried me. So I'm always <laughs> open to, to any, any ideas. I still have nightmares about Arklo and Maraud. Um, and there was another one too, that was actually a, a sibling to Maraud. Um, that, that, that knocked me completely out of everything in this race. Uh, very, very curious to get any any clever ideas that either of you have in the American turf. I, I don't have anything in the American. That's about the only race I didn't. I don't. I uh, I didn't have any opinion there at all. Uh, I I did have that race that uh, the horse that Sean likes as as being a fast race. But uh, as far as uh, I actually have a few turf opinions too. Uh, in the the this half mile, I uh, I really like Wakanaka in the in that race. I'm I'm a little worried about the Chad horse from France running the first time in his, but I'm uh, I, I'm confident that that Wakanaka is going to return on in Italian. That's and I think he's the best horse of all the horses that have run in this uh, in this country at least. You'll be building some things around Wakanaka. Yes, for sure. And then in the next race, that right after, I, I like Necker Island in that wide open, crazy. Uh, I think that's the Knicks go overnight race. Yes. Give the us more your, I look, I look yeah. at the race. The more I like him. I, I like I like the setup he's going to get completely. And he's had he's had a series of setups that aren't haven't been good. The only question with him, I don't know about the no Lasix. That's the only thing I'd be a little bit worried about. But otherwise, I, I do like him. Yeah, I mean, certainly looks interesting. Six to one of the morning line. Oh, I, I got confused before. Arklo and Maraud are actually siblings. Unbridled Empire being the, the, the dam whose produce has cost me more money, I think, than any than, than any other uh, <laughs> any other dam uh, out there. Uh, just just ridiculous to get beat by siblings in the same race year year after year. What about you, Sean, in the in the overnight stake that uh, Paul has the opinion on Necker Island? Have you had a chance to look at that Nick's go? And how does Necker Island stack up for you? Certainly a horse that has some finish. Yeah, definitely contender. I think that's a very wide open race. Um, I don't have a strong opinion in there, but you know, Necker Island's a, a, a certainly a contender. Um. You know, I think it's. I, I guess, I guess shared sense would be my top choice, but I, this isn't the kind of race where I want to take a short price on anybody. So I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily bet that horse. Um, also, well, I was going to say I also think Gunnett could run well, but to ask you some thing, it's it's hard to 
hard to bet any of his until he actually wins a race. I want to ask you guys, I, I just have an opinion that feels like it's out of step with the rest of the handicapping world. So I want to get your guys' opinion just as a reality check before we get to the Derby. So I've never been a huge Ivar fan. I've respected him. I'm not sure I've ever, like, keyed the horse in my life. I thought he really stood out in the Turf Classic this year. Between the draw and the way that I expected the race to be run, I thought he'd sit no worse than the top of the second flight, save all the ground. He's got the closing kick. And, you know, there's some very good horses in here. Um, but I, I was very curious just to, to get some other opinions on, uh, on, on the Turf Classic and Ivar specifically. Sean, how do you see this one? You know, he, I, he's a funny horse for me. I, he's got races, I think, that are certainly good enough to win here. But I don't, I don't necessarily trust him. Um, but then when I go through this field, I don't trust any of them. I, this is one of the harder races on the card for me to to come up with an opinion. Um, just because I think there's there's like eight of these horses that have that have at some point thrown a race that's good enough to win here. And, but I don't trust any of them. I don't, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that race is going to come on Saturday. So I, I, this is one I've really struggled with. I've, I've looked at it three times now and I just, I can't settle on a horse that I, that I really like, but I, you know, I've our, he may be the, the most consistent of, of this bunch. And he's certainly good enough to win. I thought the race he ran in the Breeders' Cup was tremendous. Paul, how do you uh, see Ivar specifically in this place? I think Ivar is the, is the fastest horse and the most talented. And I I'm, I'm, don't know about the mile and an eighth, but the one thing that I have come up with with Ivar in the past, and he, it took me, he beat me a couple times on this for me to learn it. And it's the reason why I'm a little against him because I don't think he fires fresh. I don't think he gives you his best one, which is a little unusual for that trainer because Paulo Lobo is really good off the layoff. But um, for whatever reason, he's, he's hasn't finished first or second in any of his uh, four races in this country off, off the layoff. That's interesting. And he's improved tremendously on the, I think I got that down. So whatever he does in this race, I'm going to be looking for him, you know, maybe Belmont Stakes Day. Um, but with that said, this is the the worst field he's ever run against. So it, that, it could be a situation where he might not, he might be able to win even if he doesn't uh, even if he doesn't bring his A game. But I I do have an interesting thought in this race, and it's a it's a weird thing because it's kind of jockey related. But Pratt is going to ride a dom hole for Chad of, of the three horses. And I think of all the three horses, I think that would be the least likely one for him to ride. And he picks that one over the other two, two that other two that he's ridden um, and won on and done well with. And yet he's going to ride at, at Hamo instead. And I thought that his race at the fairgrounds, even though it may not be as good uh, quality-wise, I thought he ran real well. And, I, and the more I look at this race, the more I like him. I think it's really positive that Chad, with all the horses he could run in this race, he's probably got 25 of them that he could <laughs> run, you know, and he's forced to maybe run the other two, but this one, he's not forced to run here. He could have run this horse anywhere. Yep. 
and he decides to run him in this race. I think that's really, really positive. He could have run him in maybe even in a, um, an overnight allow- overnight or allowance base somewhere, and yet he's go- he's coming here. I think that's uh, that's really good. He's got- he had really good workouts at Palm Meadows. His last workout wasn't that good, but it was on the dirt. So I, I don't think that – I'm not going to fall for that and say that that means anything. I but I'm definitely going to key Adamo. I'm, I'm, yeah. I've definitely talked myself right into him. <laughs> he's the other I one I like, too. too for, in that race yeah. that I like, too. Yeah, for whatever it's before, worth. Before means, we go on, yeah. I think Kentucky Ghost is a long shot that might be able to get in it. Oh, tell us about him. Well, of all the, all the things, I think mile and eighth is his distance. And turf is turf horses, as you know, doing a lot of stuff in Europe. It's it's more. You never really want to go against horses that aren't going at their perfect distances, you know. And and a horse can be a mile and an eighth horse, and not a mile and a quarter horse, or not. Yep. Not a mile horse, you know. It's not like. It's not like dirt racing where, you know, a, a rude horse is a rude horse, and a sprinter is a sprinter, or a miler is a mile. It's it, it's 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 so much different. Um, at every at every peg, you know. And he's run it. He hasn't run at a mile and eighth in a while, and he, he's run good in a couple races. Uh, his race at Kentucky Downs is, is really good without Lasix, and uh, that barn's been doing sneaky good lately too. And uh, the horse is working really good. I I think uh, he's going to show up. I'm not sure he can win. I'm not sure he's 100 percent good, but he's but he's definitely in the game. It's not like he's going to be looked over, and he's better than what than what uh, probably the public is going to think. Very interesting one right there for sure. All right, it's time, boys. Let's talk about this year's Kentucky Derby. We'll start with the macro question about which pool you're the most interested in tackling. Sean, I'll throw that one in your court. Where, where, where do you see spending the most of your money by percentage pool-wise? Probably probably exact as, exact as or tries, maybe. What – what horses do you want to key around? Well, I, you know, the I was big on Mo Donegal. The rail cools me off just a little bit, um, but I think if you know, I think if if a rail horse was ever going to win the Derby, it, it's going to be this horse. Um, you know, I, like I said before, I've got that race as fast. I think. You know, I think what he did in that race is was was really impressive. You know, running down a loose loose horse that was that was actually running. You know, early voting. You know, wasn't going slow. He he was running in that race, and and you know he he was able to he got a good trip, but he he was still able to 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 finish fast enough to to catch a horse that wasn't slowing down that much. And he's just getting better and better. And, you know, I think Irad is the perfect jock to be on the rail because he was on the rail last time, you know, last year with no agenda. And if you watch that race, he he sent out of the gate initially and, you know, knew he had to do that to gain position. But then he didn't continue sending long enough to get the position. He He, he sort of when the two horse came over on him just a little bit, he, he stopped sending it and took back. And that really, really hurt that, that horse's chances. I mean, he got taken way out of position. So I think just from a jockey standpoint, Irad really should have learned something from that. He, he, he should know that this year, 
he's going to have to send this horse a few more a few more times. Sean, you mentioned though you're a bit cooler on Mo Donegal than you were before, even though you don't think the rail is a death knell to his chances. Who are the horses you like to come with him? Uh, I like uh, Messier, Zandon, and, and Taiba would be my next sort of tier of horses. And how do you see approaching the race from a betting point of view? I'm probably just going to stick with Mo Donegal and, and live or die there um, and, and key him first and second with, with those other three and then, and then mix in some others. I, I think this race for a, for a derby, I think this race really narrows down. I, I think there's a big spread in, in abilities here. Um, you know, some other horses I'll toss in that, that might be decent prices. I'm going to use the Japanese horse crown pride. I'm going to use pioneer of Medina, at least in the underneath wow. slots. And I might throw in Tawny Ford underneath. Those are some interesting ideas. Some of the other wise guy horses we've heard thrown out there, simplification, charge it. They don't do anything for you. You're against the Florida form. Yeah, I don't like the Florida form at all. I, I think those horses are all sort of phony. Gotcha. Charge Very. it. Charge it would be the one that that I'm I might consider using. You know, at, at you know maybe if he floats up to twenty five thirty to one, I might consider using him. I can see it happening. We'll see how they bet it on the day. What about you, Paul? We haven't talked about this at all. Very curious. Who do you see keying around in this year's Kentucky Derby? Well, like I said earlier, I'm going to hold hold my opinion that if uh, if it becomes apparent that certain figures are different and um, particularly how the Baffert horses run, um, it's, it may change. But at this point, you know, I got thinking about the race and, and um, what's the key to the whole thing and it just became apparent to me that if this wasn't the Derby and, and it wasn't big name trainers, that Taiba would be five to two <laughs> and he's 12 to one morning line. I mean, that's a terrible morning line. There's no world in which he's going to be anywhere near that, but I think, no, but I, you know, I don't, I haven't heard anybody pick him. You, you would have a better line on that than me, but everybody says the same thing that I've heard is that he's the most talented horse, but he can't win. <laughs> and that, that doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> the most talented horse usually does win. Exactly. You know, and I've and I've watched him run. He runs very professional. I went back and looked to see what anything that he does wrong. The thing that I was most impressed with him is that he breaks right on the button, which we know is how important it is in the Derby. Um, he outbroke Forbidden Kingdom in the in the San Anita Derby. I mean, he he rates kindly after he after he breaks, but. Um, and I really like the makeup of the race for him, the way it's going to go. I think the, the the horses to the inside of him are going to be forced to go a little bit. With the summer is tomorrow getting post four and epicenter getting three, and I like that Messier's inside him because I know I don't care if Baffert's training him or not. They're sending him. Yep. There's there's no rating involved with him. They're they're going to be. He will not be behind horses. He's going to be in the first firing line, you know, whatever that, wherever that lands him. And if that happens and it goes a little bit and the outside horses all get too cute, which they, which they have in the last few years, he's going to sit perfect. He's going to be right there. So 
Right as of this minute, that's I I, I like Tay, but I I have no idea what his odds is going to be. So I was interested that you said he's going to be nowhere near the twelve to one. But what do you think he's going to be? Six. Six. Yeah, I think he's a horse that like. I mean, some sharp people have picked the horse map or near picked the horse, but I just think like when you just like you just said, if you just objective, just look at the race like another race. You know, it's a fun exercise I'll do sometimes. Look at a race in twenty seconds and tell me who the favorite is. A lot of times that's who the public, the computers make the favorite. Like those speed figures have such, you know, it's such a double-edged sword because on one hand they have such primacy for me as somebody who pretends like he knows what he's doing, but they also, we know, have primacy in the market. So, I mean, look, I agree that on the average day he'd be five to two. He ain't going to be that because of all the questions, but you know, it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be six to one, I think. And, and like, there's some weird world in which I wouldn't surprise me if he was like vying for favoritism with the other two that everybody thinks are, are going to be the favorite. It's, it's such a hard market to predict. I mean, remember pulpit uh, going back, like way back in the day, Paul, oh, th- th- that was a horse that like I was supposed to be, you know, I don't know, four to one, nine to two, he's eight to one in the Derby. Like you just see these weird things in the Derby with horses like, just like inexplicable betting, not necessarily signal that it's so sharp, but you just like weird stuff happens. And I'm not, I'm not convinced. I mean, one thing I'll tell you, it's not going to be anything like the morning line has it. Yeah. I, you know what? I don't know. I don't know how this race is going to be bet. I, I've, uh, it's been confusing to me. I know one thing that if Asmussen hasn't won a race by now, Epicenter is going to drift. He's not going <laughs> to, that's the, that's one thing that's going to happen because you're going to know by then. Yeah. If Jackie's um, warrior and Echo Zulu blow, that will affect his yeah. price. I agree. I, I've been, I do think that Zandon is going to be the favorite though, with all the hype that he's getting and it's being Chad. I don't disagree and with I don't, that. I just don't think he's going to be no three to one. I, I, I mean, this is a four to one, nine to two favorite. I think, you know, except for maybe the mattress Mac factor. Yeah. that And you throw that in there too, which I, I don't know. Uh, but I've heard much, many more people pick Messier than Teva, which I don't really follow. I'm not sure. I, I don't really get that at all. But um, I, I think that's people trying to they, – they see the similarities, I guess, to the horse who uh, crossed the wire first last year. But um, but that's where, I, that's where I'm leaning right now. Again, I, if it's uh, – in fact, I'm, you know, something big would have to change for me to get off of him. I, I, I agree with Sean what he said. I don't think there is a race where you have to spread all that much. Um, I like Modonigal off when the, when the Wood Memorial. If you believe the time, he's got a big chance. I, I just I don't believe it. I, I, I think that they did something with the track. Aqueduct, Aqueduct form does not... The way they they mess around with the track and the way the way it goes just never translates. I do like the horse and I'll be using him. Um, and I do like Van Don. I, I'm I'm definitely not betting a horse at three to one that's going to be 19th or 20th. I, I don't agree with the the scenario that he's got more speed somehow that he's going to be able to fit fifth or sixth like some people have said. I, I don't see that at all. In fact, I don't want to know how any way he's not going to be 18th right. or 17th. I mean, maybe if, if somehow there's, you know, a, a mess up on the outside and these guys rate 
and and just get too cute. Maybe he'll move up and get be closer than than uh, than expected. But I, I, he could really be left with a lot to do. Um, but we've been over the essence of thing at nauseam. I don't like the spot for epicenter either. I hate it. I hate the, the draw for him. I think his. Yeah. I, I hate having Summers tomorrow on the outside. I hate having all the other speed. I hate having all the other speed on the outside. I, I hate that there's a few horses that have to go. You know, Classic Causeway isn't in there to do anything but try to go to the lead. You know, I mean, I just think it's. I, I mean, and I'd love to hear your opinion on this, but both of you, but Sean especially is pretty good. I think sometimes at at reading this, yeah, I just don't think he's going to be able to flop outside and stalk. I think he has to just go i think he's going to be pressed for his life he might be good enough to burn them all off but i mean i think he's got to dead send and i just don't know that he has that much in hand against what i think is a very talented group what do, what do you think sean in terms of will he be able to stalk or is his hand just forced now it's a it's a very very bad draw for him it's a very tricky um situation for joel to to figure out because i'm you know, I'm sort of like you. I, I I don't like any any scenario for him. I think the best scenario for him would be to to sort of get into the two path somehow to where you know to let to let Messier and, and Summers tomorrow go, but not be stuck behind Summers tomorrow because I, I think we would all agree that he's going to be first to quit when they're when they're coming around the turn or, or turning for home, and you don't want to be the horse directly behind him. But man, is that a tough thing for Joel to to try to navigate in a twenty horse field? Uh, it, it's it's very hard, and and the horse, you know, just on my pace figures and and late pace stuff, he he hasn't proven, you know, he can run very fast early and not finish, and he can and he can rate and finish pretty well, but he can't do both. And there's some horses in this field that can do both, that he's going to have to try to get outside of or, or get around or it's just a bad spot for him it's you know he was the one that that was hurt the most by the draw i think that's how but, i see it uh it's yeah it's if if joel can work out a good trip with him he's he's really earned his money <laughs> you could say the same about irad i suppose on our man mo donical they're gonna be earning their money in this race yeah. paul how about yeah. interesting long shots that you want to feather in along with your man taba well i'm kind of on the obvious one the simplification that of the florida horses that's the one i like the most um i you, think the you say obvious one and, you say obvious one but not that many people are talking about it make the case for the, no, the okay good because I've heard his name thrown around a couple of times, but I do think he's going to rate more. And I think that maybe he's the type of horse that um, will do better in an upline situation than in a downline situation. Like he did was last time. I actually thought he ran the best in the Florida Derby. There is a question that he, about the distance, but I, um, I think he's, he's got a chance to get in it and I expect him to run good. He's been training really good. You're not worried about how um, slow they came home in that race. There's some part of me that just wants to use charge it of those three because he didn't break and was so green and like sort of excusing him, but like just looking at the come home time in there. And I don't know how you had it on LP uh, Sean or how it looks on your figures, but there, there is some part of me that, that like kind of wants to just chuck the floor to form. Yeah, I'm I'm sort of the same way. My problem with simplification is, you know, I actually agree with Paul that I think he's better, 
you know, when he's when he's uplining and, and finishing races. But my problem with him is even when he's done that, he hasn't finished that fast. He just sort of, you know, if you look at his paper and you look at the races, yeah, he was a come from behinder in those races, but he was only running like mid 80 to, you know, like 88 late pace figures for me. And, and on my scale, that's just not good enough. I mean, in, in, in the Derby, if you run that kind of late pace figure, you're just going to be churning your wheels in 10th, you know? So I just, I just, even though I think that's the right idea for him and I think that's the, the tactics they'll employ, I just still am not sure he's going to be good enough to, to get anything. Paul, what is it that makes you see past the way that they, the slow way that they seemingly finished in the Florida Derby? Well, that's what I was getting at when uh, he downlined, but he was in the pace, you know, and he's given he's giving you the the, uh, the ability to upline. I see what so you're saying. So it may be like a situation where he hasn't been. I agree with Sean. He hasn't been able to do it in the past, but he's three years old, and his last race may be a hidden improvement. So even though, you know, he he downlined well when he was in the pace. Running an upline, he may be able to get to another level. Is that level good enough to win the race? I agree with with what Sean says. Probably not. But I do think he's going to be running at the end better than he than than what you might expect, and he might be able to get in get into the gimmicks. Um, a, another horse that I'm, I'm you know I'm of course you can't take the Japanese horse lightly. You know I don't know any idea what his price is going to be because. Some people seem to think he's going to be the, you know, the patch or the, yeah. the horse I, that gets over bet. I think he'll be bad. I mean, I don't think it's going to be patch bad, but I mean, I think he's a horse that I'm interested in at 30 to one. Who's going to be 15 to one. And, you know, I think it's going to be that kind of deal, but you know, that's just me I, guessing. I, I'm going to make, I'm going to make a couple comments on him just so that people that, that do like him, I'm, I'm going to give some positive things about him. A, uh, the first thing is, the Japanese trainers, I've watched more Japanese dirt racing more lately. They are not in the same mold as our American trainers, no, where kind of the, the horses peak in the first start. Yep. They will continue to get better. Anything you see is 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 bottom level. You know, you can you can. It's almost like Mac Miller trained the horse or somebody of a from the past. You know, pick the one that you like, P.G. Johnson, uh, Charlie Whittingham. The, the horses will improve. So the fact that he hasn't run fast enough yet does not scare me because he, he he's going to run. He'll, he'll run better. Um, he's been here longer than most of the horses that have run in the Dubai Derby. You know, he hasn't. He's been here. He's done a lot of work. His last workout was really good, signifying that whatever they have been doing, get past all the crazy stuff that you've heard. He's doing good. You know, any horse that can work like like he worked. Uh, this week is is ready to go. He's training well. You know, you don't know his father, you don't know his mother, but his father is Sunday Silence flying. You know, his his mother is Seattle Slough. Is about you know is that of him Seattle Slough. Um, so th- this 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 idea that it's a foreign horse or you know it doesn't belong or anything like that. You know, Sunday Silence Seattle Slough crew. You know, cross. You know. This is top-notch horse, horse that's going to improve, and, and a horse that's going to show up and probably run. So I'm with you that I don't like the idea of playing underlays, you know, if he gets over bet. But uh, I don't 
don't take the horse lightly, you know. I mean, it is a little negative that he hasn't run fast enough to win yet. You know, that's not anybody does figs like the three of us, you know, and look that direction. That's not going to be all that enticing. You're going to want odds, you know, for a horse that's under those circumstances. But there are a lot of positives for, you know, with him, you know. And I just mentioned a horse that's kind of gotten lost in the whole thing. And, and I kind of had the same feeling as the general public, but the more I look at him, the more I like him and smile happy. You know, I, I, I think it's, it's questionable if he can make it a mile and a quarter, especially off his last race, but I'm a little confused at the way McPeak has trained him. It's not very McPeak like into the race. He's done a lot of things that, that seem a little weird. And I guess the, the, the normal perception is that if the way he's, the way he's going about, Oh, we almost got there. We almost got there. And then we lost him again. Let's see if we can get him back. <laughs> I may lose. I may leave this in for the comedy. Oh, we, we, we almost got there. You were finishing up about Smile Happy and talking about McPeak and it being a very un-McPeak-like thing. Let's, uh, let's wrap it up and let's get out of here while the getting is good, Paul. Okay. You know, the thing about Smile Happy is that it's unlike McPeak and people just assume that he's not doing good. But I, I like the way he worked. And of all the horses in the races, I don't think he's had good setups in his races, you know, the, the bluegrass was a weird race. It wasn't a, it wasn't a, a fast pace or anything, but I thought he ran well in the race. You know, even though Zandon finished up and was flashier at the end of the race, uh, I thought smile happy performed well. And if the track was ever inside, you know, favored inside horses, he's destined to, to get a good trip in this race. You know, he's going to be, Right behind Epicenter, Summers Tomorrow, Messier, maybe the Japanese horse, maybe Tay, but they're all they're all going to be forward, and all the outside horses. And he's going to be he's going to be content to be right behind, him, you know. So I see him more, you know, maybe as a horse that could trip out under the right situation. Interesting stuff. I, I I'm a little intrigued by him too. Surprised to see that internationally only sixteen to one. As few people who have been talking about him, I was thinking he could be twenty five, thirty to one, and maybe he can be. Sean, we'll just throw it back to you for a real quick thought on Smile Happy, who clearly you don't fancy, but are you intrigued at all hearing Paul's case? Yeah, absolutely. I, he's a horse that I'm I'm question if he's good enough to actually win, but he he could certainly run underneath. Um, and like Paul said, if the, if the rail is good, you know exactly where Coriolaner is going to be. He's the modern day Calvin. So he, he'll be glued right to that rail. Boys, we're going to leave it there. So glad to have done this with you before we get out of here. Got to thank the sponsor of this show, our friends at Mill Ridge. Uh, it was such a great uh, pleasure being out there today and uh, seeing the work they do. This is one of the places that I would say is a must stop on your tours coming through their standing Oscar performance stallion. I'm super interested in grade one winner, uh, two, was he a grade one winner? Two, three, four, and five. Uh, very interesting horse. And he's got some, uh, his first babies are hitting the track. Might have one heading over to ask it, which I'm curious to follow as well. 
But uh, always enjoy the bells. They're people who love to hear the opinions of horse players and some of the people in the breeding industry who really, you know, respect what we're all about. So we love them. We encourage you to go visit. If you've got questions about getting involved in the, the breeding side of the business, happy to help but put you in touch with them as well. You can learn more at millridge.com. If you have questions specifically, hit me up over at inthemoneypodcast.com uh, through the contact page. That goes directly to my email. Sean Borman, Paul Matisse, thank you guys so much for your time today and Godspeed this weekend. Any closing thought from you, Sean? No, I guess not. I think we I think we touched on everything I wanted to. I like it. Paul, how about you? Anything we didn't get to talk about that you want to chat about before we wrap? No, just good luck to everybody. You guys have a good time uh, traveling over there, going across Kentucky. Have a good time. And, you know, this is, this is what racing is all about, I guess, right? It's, it's a lot of buzz, it seems like, into this, this year's Derby. It's going to be fun. A lot of people are excited to go. Yeah, we're hoping we get a normal Derby, right? I mean, we've had... We've gone DQ, weird September Derby DQ. Let's get let's get a horse we can all be excited about this year. That's one thing I'm very much interested in. This show's been a production of In the Money Media. Our business manager is Drew Cotney. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. I'm pistol. That's for you, Paul. Peter Thomas from the town. <laughs> May you win all your Kentucky Derby photos. <laughs>